Luke 5:17-26. It says, "On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you, or to say rise and walk? but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for this passage of Scripture. We thank You so much for the the Gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that You would drive it into our hearts this morning. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so we have a simple, simple sermon before us today. We have two truths, and we have three ways these truths help us. Two truths... And three ways these truths help us. Usually, a good, I mean, a good preacher always has a good introduction, and so I try to be a good preacher. I, I try to fake it, you know, make you think I'm a good preacher, and, uh, and so I usually try to have a fancy introduction. I don't have a fancy introduction today, and really, an introduction is just to convince you to listen to me, and it's my birthday today, so you have to listen. Whether the sermon is boring or not, you have to listen. Because it's my birthday. Alright, truth number one. We have two truths and we have three ways these truths help us. Truth number one, your main problem is your sin. Truth number one, your main problem is your sin. I love this story. I love the faith that we see in these Verses. Can you imagine with me? You're you're at a man's house, and there's Jesus teaching, and you got the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and they're there um, just to kind of inspect. They're not part of the crowd who's enamored with Jesus. They're just there to kind of see what he's all about. They're aloof. They're standing, and then and then, but there's this crowd who's just clamoring for Jesus, and they want to hear him, and they want to see him do incredible things. And then you have these men, these five men. One of them is paralyzed, and then his four friends, and and they uh, and they're bringing they're bringing this paralyzed man to Jesus because they know that Jesus can heal him. They know that Jesus can heal him. But they get there, and there's there's a crowd there. They can't get into the they can't get in the front door. So they so they the, the you know the houses um, during this time and in this place they were like they were all kind of two story houses. But the second story, like the top story, was just uh, was just the roof. Really, it was just like people would go up on the roof, um, and and there was a whole another like place you could hang out up there. Um, and so you there, there's always like 
outdoor steps. So you could just take the, just take the outdoor steps up on top of the roof, and that's what these guys did. They, 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 they carried this man, um, on his bed. They carried his, this man up, up on the roof, and then they, they dug through, there'd be like a layer of dirt probably, or, or clay or something. They dug through that, and then they, and then they got through the, probably a layer of wood or, um, there, and they, and they made a hole enough to, big enough to drop this guy down through, and they lowered him down right in front of Jesus. Can you imagine this? And you have to be, you know, you have to be inspired by their confidence in Jesus. Their faith in Jesus. That Jesus is going to be able to fix this guy. He's going to be able to heal this guy. He's going to be able to take care of this guy's main problem. That's what everybody's thinking. Everybody, as they watch this happening, they, they see they see this paralyzed man, and now he's there right before Jesus, and they're just, everybody, everybody is thinking, well, not the guy who owns the house. The guy who owns the house is probably looking at the hole in his roof and thinking about his, his insurance and, and that kind of stuff. But everybody else is thinking, Jesus is going to heal this guy. Jesus is going to take care of this guy's main problem. And then Jesus looks at the man. He sees their faith. He sees the, the faith of this man's friends. He sees the faith of this man. And he looks at this man and he says, man, or it really it means a friend. He says, you your sins are forgiven you. Not, you're healed. He says, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus does take care of this man's main problem. It's just that it's not the problem that we thought if you look at the man and you look at, I mean, he, and he is just paralyzed. His life is in ruins. His life is in ruins because of his paralysis, because of his physical condition. And so, if you, if you ask, what is this man's main difficulty? What is his problem? What, what is, what is the main thing in his life that he needs to get, he needs to get dealt with? He needs to get taken care of. Everybody would say that he's paralyzed. That's his great need. Jesus looks at him and says, no, that's not your great need. You, you, have a, you have a need that's much greater. Your problem is your sin. Your problem, your main problem is your sin. Jesus wants that to be very clear. In, in, in later on in Luke, in Luke 19, Jesus is going to say, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Matthew, when Jesus is born, Matthew says Jesus came to, to save his people from their sin. In, in the book of Acts, Peter is going to say to the, to the Jewish rulers and the Jewish leaders, he's going to say, there is salvation in no other name. Jesus came because we are sinners. Jesus came because our main problem is that we need our sin forgiven. Your main problem is your sin. My main problem is my sin. We don't think like this. Even if we've been at church for like decades, we don't naturally think about this. When, when, when we start to write down like, what, what, what are my problems? We, we think about things that are coming at us from the outside. We, we think about the way our, maybe our spouse or our family member is is treating us. We think about things that have happened to us. We think about maybe physical or mental illness. And I'm not saying that those things are not problems. 
They are real problems, but they're nowhere near your main problem. They're nowhere near my main problem. Because the thing is, here, listen, if, if I get all those other problems taken care of, but I don't get my sin problem taken care of, I die and I go to hell. Like if you, if you get everything sorted out, if everybody in your life is treating the way you the way you want to be treated, if you get all your financial issues sorted out, you get all your medical problems sorted out, you're just kind of good to go, and you, you die in your sin, you face hell. You're, you're still on the outside of God's family. You're still apart from God. You're still condemned for judgment. Your main problem is your sin. My main problem is my sin. That's the first thing that just stares us in the face in this passage. This man, he, him being paralyzed was secondary. Jesus is going to get right to the heart of the issue. And the heart of the issue is he needs his sins forgiven. This is that man's main... And that's offensive to say to this poor paralyzed man that his main problem is his... It's not offensive. It's, it's the only way he's going to have any hope of any value. I can get all my other problems taken care of. If I don't get my sins forgiven, I die and I go to hell because of God's holy righteous judgment on sin. God cannot be with sin. I cannot be with God if I don't get my sins taken care of. Truth number one, your main problem is your sin. Truth number two, your only hope is Jesus. Your only hope is Jesus. There's Pharisees and teachers of the law. They're just sitting there. I love the way Luke describes things. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. I mean, these are the guys, right? They, these, these are not incredibly well-liked. Not everybody loved these guys, but they had a lot of influence. They had a, they had a lot, they, they had a lot of influence when it came to what the law of Moses meant and how you should live by it. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they, they had a lot of clout, they had a lot of influence, they were well respected, they were not well liked, but they were well respected. And they were all about, the, 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 their main mission in, in life was to make sure that Israel um, um, adhered to the law of Moses. And so they had all kinds of extra rules and extra traditions, and they lorded over people with them. And they were very, very, very skeptical of Jesus. And so they're sitting there. And I love the way, though, Luke says, here are the Pharisees. Here are the Pharisees. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Jesus was there. The Pharisees were there. The power was with Jesus. The power of the Lord was with Jesus. You couldn't say that about the Pharisees. And so Jesus looks at this man. They, they drop the man down in front of Jesus. Jesus looks at him and says, and says, man, your sins are forgiven you. And immediately... The scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? That's a really good question. Who can forgive sins but God alone? That's a really good, theologically astute question. That's a good question. 
And it is true, God alone can forgive sins. So who is this man who claims God's authority? This kind of power and authority. Who is this? And that's one of Luke's favorite questions about Jesus. Who is this? It's a question he wants you to be repeatedly asking yourself. Who is this? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? And then he says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he says to the, the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Jesus is saying to them, you're right. You're right. Only God can forgive sins. Only God has that kind of authority. And and, and Jesus is going to now say, I am the Son of Man. I am the Son of Man and I have that kind of authority. I have the divine right. Jesus is saying to those who have ears to hear, I'm divine. I have the divine right, the divine authority to forgive sins. I'm the Son of, Jesus loved to call himself the Son of Man. It was his, like his favorite um, way to describe himself, his favorite way to talk about himself being the Messiah. The, the Son of Man is the one who is going to, who is going to come and he's going to be clothed with all power and all authority. Every knee is going to bow to the Son of Man. Jesus is saying, that's who I am. I have complete authority over this man's sin. I have authority to forgive this man. And I'm going to prove it. I'm going to prove it. Because it's obviously, it's easier for me to just say, you're forgiven. I mean, anybody, I can say that. You're forgiven. You're all forgiven. I'm just, I can say that. Anybody can say that. But to show, Jesus says that, I have authority to do this. Not only am I going to completely forgive this man, I'm going to completely heal him. I'm going to show that I have the authority to forgive by showing you that I have authority that only God would have over his disease. Jesus is going to take care of his other problem to show that he has taken care of his main problem. Jesus is this man's only hope. The Pharisees, the Pharisees could do nothing but watch and be skeptical. The Pharisees could do nothing but sneer and ask questions. That's all they could do. Jesus is this man's only hope. And He's your only hope as well. He's my only hope as well. Since your main problem is your sin, since my main problem is my sin, that's the, that's the thing that we need taken care of more than anything else. Since what we need more than anything else is forgiveness, we need someone to forgive us. We need someone to forgive us. The only place to find that is Jesus. The cross of Jesus Christ. This is a... This is Jesus showing us here in this passage that He's on His way to Jerusalem. He's on His way to the cross. He's on His way to bleed and to die so that we can be forgiven. So we have to just stop and ask ourselves 
this morning, and I hope that in some way, every Sunday, I have us stop and ask ourselves, is, have, have you confessed this? Have you believed this? Have you, have you confessed to God that your main problem isn't anything else, isn't anyone else, it's not what anything or anyone has ever done to you, it's your own personal sin. That's your main problem. Have you asked God for forgiveness? Have you believed that your only hope to be forgiven is because Jesus paid for your sins? with His blood on the cross. Have you believed this? If you haven't, please do. Please do it right now. And as I try to remember to always say, if you, if you have any questions about that, please come find me. We will talk. Your main problem is your sin and your only hope is Jesus. You need those two truths today. And if you, if you believe, if you, maybe you started believing those two truths years ago. Maybe you confessed that to God years ago. You need to believe them right now. You need to hold them in your mind, in your heart, every single day. I, I have to, every day, remember my main problem is my sin and my only hope is Jesus. I need to remember those two truths every single day. And there are dozens of reasons why. Dozens of reasons why, but I'm only going to share three with you. I want to share three ways these truths help me. Three ways these truths help me. And maybe maybe you don't struggle in these three ways, so maybe this won't be you know, direct, exact help for you. Uh, but, but hopefully, as you listen to the way I think through this, it'll help you to think through whatever ways you're tempted, whatever ways y- you struggle with sin. There are three ways that these truths help me. First, they help me when I am self-righteous. These two truths help me when I am self-righteous. I am, I can be a lot like these Pharisees. Um, there is a, there is a danger. I told you at the beginning, good preachers, and I, every once in a while I pretend I'm a good preacher, but I'm not today, alright? So this just, it's, we're just, we're taking a break from me pretending to be a good preacher for a day. So if you're like learning how to be a preacher, don't, don't do this, alright? This is just something I'm doing. I'm gonna talk about myself. Like, the last three points are just kind of about myself, and that's, shouldn't do that. There's a book about that somewhere saying don't do that, but I'm going to do it anyhow. Um, I am tempted often towards self-righteousness. I find myself, it's as natural as breathing for me to say, I can't believe the way that, I can't believe the kind of husband he is, the kind of parent he is, the kind of pastor he is. What is wrong with him? What's wrong with that person? What's wrong with those people? I'm so glad I'm not like that. I'm so tempted. I'm so often tempted to fall into that. That's just natural for me. I just find myself like just so self-righteous. Just so condescending. Like, what is wrong with me? I, I, I have to like, I have to like theologically slap me. That was, that was ridiculous. That was way too much. Why did I do that? And I have, like, I have to, like, wake myself up, like, shake myself out of it. Because I just, I get so condescending. 
I get so like, what's wrong with those? I'm so glad I'm not those kind of people. You know, those, those people who, yeah, they're Christians and they love Jesus, but then there's the rest of us who really get it. I fall into that kind of thinking all the time. It's a constant fight for me. And the thing is, I can't be joyful in God when I'm thinking that way. I can't be of any help to my church family or to my family at home when I'm thinking that way. I may say the right biblical words. Like, I can still say the truth when I'm, when I'm in that mode. But I'll be like what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 13. I can speak in the tongues of men and angels, but if I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I may have all the truth, but I'll have no love. I, I won't be of any good to anybody. Because if, if I'm so self-righteous, so proud of how I've got it all together, these truths will help me. This is way... I do not suggest you slapping yourself in the face. That was... Stupid. But I do suggest you slapping yourself with these truths. It's so good for me to remember. I deserve hell for my sin. The only thing standing between me and hell right now, not, not 30 years ago, but like right now, the only thing based on my last 24 hours of performance my last 24 hours of righteousness, the only thing standing between me and hell is Jesus. It's that Jesus has forgiven me. That's the only reason I'm not headed for eternal judgment. This is so helpful. When I'm tempted, when I'm falling into self-righteousness, because I'm not naturally good at loving people, I'm, I'm fine with telling people the truth. But if I'm telling people the truth from a self-righteous perspective, then I'm like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm no use to anybody. This helps me to remember my main problem is my sin and my only hope is Jesus. These truths help me. They help me when I'm self-righteous. They also help me when I'm apathetic. They help me when I'm apathetic. And maybe you've faced this and maybe you haven't. But one of the things about worshiping God, about studying the Bible, about obeying the Bible, following Jesus, making church a, a part of, like, like investing in church, investing in the people and the ministries of the people of, of God, to, 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 to want to be there and encourage them in the truth of the Word of God, to, to want to submit to the Word of God, to fight against temptation, to, to commit yourself to prayer. You, you have to want it. You have to want it. You have to want this to be a part of your life. If you're apathetic, you can phone it in. And, and the thing about this is we can phone it in for a while before anybody knows. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you have a hard time caring. Maybe you're tempted to say, you know, who cares if I'm fighting against this private sin? Who cares? No one's going to know. Who cares? Who cares if I spend uh, four minutes praying today or I spend 30 minutes praying today? No one's going to know. No one knows. Nobody cares. No one knows. Who cares if I just go through the motions? This truth helps us. The, the truth that breaks my apathy down, and hopefully it will for you as well. The truth that helped, that stirs my affection for Jesus. 
The truth that stirs my affection for Jesus is to remember my main problem is my sin and and Jesus is my only hope. Jesus was so intent on forgiving me. Like, I don't, I'm not intent on forgiving people. If someone asks me, sure, I'll do it. Sure, I'll forgive you. But I'm not intent. I'm not gonna go seek them out to go find them and forgive them. I'm definitely not gonna go die for them so that they can be forgiven. But here's the thing, if we're going to be forgiven by Jesus, somebody's gotta pay for our sin. If, if anybody's gonna be forgiven of anything, somebody has to pay for it. It's how it always is with anything. So if you come over to my house, you'll notice, you come in the door and there's a piano there. The Stewarts, Rick and Angie Stewart gave us that, um, piano. And so now, if you live within a, maybe a five mile radius, you've heard us play it, because we play really loud. I, like, you can tell from the way I talk, everything in my family happens at way too high of a volume, including playing the piano. And we love it. We love the piano. Like, f- f- four of my kids know how to play. All six of them do play. And so it is like, um, we, we love it. If you came over to my house and you said, you know what, Steve, I think that, I think that piano is fireproof. I don't, I don't think it is. No, I think it is. I, I read somewhere on, you know, Facebook, so it's gotta be true that that kind of piano is fireproof. I don't, I don't think it is. And you just pull out a liar, and before I know it, you've burnt the thing down. And then you say, you know what, it's not fireproof. That wasn't, I don't know where I got that. I was thinking of something else. And what's wrong with you? Piano is ruined. And then you say, you know what, I, that was my fault. I'm sorry. I'm just like, oh, okay, I, I forgive you. I mean, you'll never come to my house again, but I, I forgive you. If I just forgive you, I have to pay to replace the piano. I have to pay to replace the piano. Forgiveness costs. It's going to cost somebody something. My sin is against Jesus. My sin shook my fist at God, and then when he sent his son, I swung my fist at his son. That's my sin. My sin did that. Jesus was so intent on forgiving me for my sin that he came and he died. That helps me when I'm apathetic. And I'm trying to sort out, why should I care about this? Why should I care? If you want your affections stirred for Jesus, you remember you needed to be forgiven and He came and died so that you would be. He suffered so that we can be forgiven. I deserve hell for my sin and Jesus was so intent on forgiving me that He died in my place. That's the first couple of ways these truths help me. And then finally, uh, they help me when I'm heartbroken. I can do this. Um, I, had a, I have a really good pastor friend who um, he knew what my family, um, what we went through this week, and so he said, Steve, don't preach on Sunday. And he was right, but I did it anyhow. So, um, Because there's the danger of of <laughs> doing this. Um, but I sorted it out. I, I thought about it. And I said, no, 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 no. This is fine. 
This is fine to do this. This is fine to apply this text in, in this way. Some of you um, know, um, if you get the church emails, you know uh, our, our second cousin's family up in the UP, and we're, we're pretty close with the family. One of my daughters is really close with the daughter up there, and my wife is, has, a, has a good friendship with the, with the mother up there. Their family went through an unspeakable tragedy. Um, the 10-year-old daughter was killed, and I'm not going to go into the details, but it was just, um, the situation was awful, and it was, um, and it was awful. It was devastating. It was like, it was almost unbearably sad. And, uh, um, I was just trying to, and there's, there's not even a really good way to process all of this, because you just come up, you just like, I've still got a bunch of questions, I've still got a bunch of confusion, I still got a bunch of sadness. It's just, it's just really heavy. It's just really heavy. And then also just knowing how people that you love are, are suffering sadness and so on. So it just makes you doubly sad. So you've got your own sadness and your own grief over it. And then you've got your sadness and your grief because other people are sad. And it's just, it's just so heavy. Now I was reading these verses. It, um, Verse 25 and 26, and immediately the man rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. Jesus healed him and, 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 and Jesus made it all better. This is what Jesus does. He completely heals. He amazes his people and he brings glory to God. And, and as you look at this, what we're seeing here, this is what Je- Jesus is just giving a sneak peek of what he's capable of, of, of what he, how he's going to, how he's going to eventually make everything right. Because Jesus is taking care of our main problem, he's going to take care of the rest of our problems too. This helps us when we're heartbroken. I, I, it doesn't take away the sadness. It doesn't. I mean, if you've got sadness this morning, if you've got heartache, if you've got sickness, if you've got chronic pain, if you've got, if, if, if you've just, if you're just carrying it, this, it's not, it's not that these two truths make that stuff go away, but what thousands upon thousands of Christians have discovered since the book of Luke was written is that the truth of the gospel is deeper and stronger than the, than the heaviest sadness that we could possibly bear here on earth. We were at that funeral and it was just they were ta- like they did this slideshow of the of the girl and uh of her life and there was her dad and um and uh the dad, you know, there's pictures of the of the dad holding the girl and you know sleeping on the couch just just the the classic great dad and daughter pictures and I was just like I can't I'm gonna, I can't. I cannot deal with this. I cannot do it. It's just like that sadness that you, it's hard for me to breathe. I'm so sad. And, uh, and they sang a couple of hymns in the funeral, and I just, and, and the, and the second hymn they sang, um, How Great Thou Art. And there's that verse, you probably are familiar with this, and, and the, and the, um, the verse, and when I think, of God, His Son not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in. How on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, He suffered and died to take away my sin. 
Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee, how great Thou art. And it's not like while we were singing, all the rest of the sadness went away. And it's not like everybody I know who has cancer, the cancer just went away. And everybody who's carrying pain with them, it just kind of went away. But that truth is bigger and stronger than all the other sadness. It just is. It just is. And I can't explain it. But I I believe it. It's just bigger. I um I make it a point. I'm, I, I this is I think this is the fifth thing I've done in this sermon that I'm just doing because it's my birthday. All right. But I make it a point to not do military history illustrations. If I can, if if in my mind I think you know what. There's a couple ways I could illustrate this. I could illustrate this by embarrassing my family, or I could illustrate this by telling a story from military history. Because both always come to my head. right? I could do either, but I know you'd much rather me embarrass my family. So that's the path I almost always go. Um, but I'm going to do history today, because I want to. Um, 1812, 1813, Battle of Waterloo. Famous British commander, Wellington, facing off against Napoleon. And the English people are just, they're, they're, <laughs> they're waiting to hear how this battle goes. If this battle goes bad, a lot of stuff goes bad. They need Wellington to, to defeat Napoleon. They need him to. I mean, this is, this is, this is an epic battle. Well, spoiler for those of you who forgot this, uh, Wellington won. Wellington defeated Napoleon. The, the news needed to travel back to England. I love this. Um, and so back then they had um, they would they would send they would send messages through coded flags. The ships would the ships would rate they would hoist certain flags and the flags had different symbols on them and they would hoist them certain ways and this is the way it was kind of like Morse code or something they could they could put out a message from ship to ship to ship all the way to the shore um, through these coded flags well they they got the final ship and it was gonna they were gonna let the people on shore know that the, and the message was Wellington defeated Napoleon. Wellington defeated Napoleon. But then you got the London fog that settles in. And the London fog settles in at just the right or the wrong time, and all you see, Wellington defeated. So there's about three hours of panic and chaos in England, thinking Napoleon had won. Our pain and our suffering and our heartache is a lot like the London fog. It it settles in. And instead of us feeling and rejoicing and knowing Jesus defeated sin, death, hell, Satan. Jesus defeated sin, death, hell, Satan. All we see is Jesus defeated. It's the way we can live. We wouldn't say that out loud. But it's the way we live. This this little story here, Jesus forgiving this man and then setting just everything right is a reminder, it's an opportunity for you and me to look around the London fog, to look around the cancer, to look around the the pain, to look around the sadness, to look around the heartbreak, and to see the whole message. Jesus defeated sin, death, hell, Satan. 
It's a, it's a great opportunity for us to look around and to say, I deserve hell for my sins, but Jesus has forgiven me. He has all authority, and in His mercy, He has used His authority to forgive me. And one day, just like this paralyzed man, went home and he never needed that stretcher again. He put it down and he never needed it again. I am going to, one day, I'm going to lay down my medications and my doctor bills and my treatments and my medical records and every single ounce of sadness and pain and confusion and sin that I'm carrying right now. And I'm never going to pick them up again because our main problem is our sin and Jesus has forgiven us. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel. Help us to believe it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.